you are new, there's a blue connection card in that seat in front of you. If you want to grab that, fill that out, and find me after service or put it in our black baskets on our way out the doors this morning, that would be great. We just want to get to know you a little bit better and know how we can kind of come alongside you in this, in this faith journey each one of us are walking in. But, hey, there are a number of announcements this morning, and you know what I love about second service? First service is the practice run. And, I mean, second service, I never messed up. So, here we go. The first announcement is this. We have a youth event coming up called March Retreat. It is March 8th through the 10th. So, if you are a student, 75 bucks gets you there for the entire weekend. It is an absolute blast. Sign up today. There are some slips in our lobby that you can grab that will help you sign up for that. Students, do not miss out on this event. Next Sunday night, we have a serve team appreciation party at 5 p.m. So if you are on any one of our teams, I want to invite you to come to that because this church wouldn't be what it is without you guys. And we just want to say thank you. We want to just show our appreciation for a night and we'll bring some food in, we'll play some games and and we'll just kind of cast some vision and dream about what God's going to do in the future. So if you're on any team, there is a sign up in our lobby just so we know how much food to get. If you could sign up, that would be very much appreciated. And coming up here at the bridge, we are relaunching or re-kicking off our ladies' Bible study. How many of you ladies missed it for the last few months? Okay, one, two, awesome. Well, great news. All of you can sign up for our ladies' Bible study, which is starting on March 25th. That is why it costs $25. Don't you wish it started like April 1st or something, right? It could have been $1. But 25 bucks gets you the book and some materials that you'll be working through. And you are talking about when you pray. So it's going to be super amazing. Ladies, sign up for that. There's a sign up in our lobby if you are interested. And the last announcement this morning is the best one. And that is Easter is right around the corner. Guys, this church is growing. It's a packed service. First service was full, too. And because of that, we are doing three services on Easter morning, 815, 945, and 1115. What we ask is that you do not come alone, right? Because this is the best Sunday of the entire year. And this is one of those Sundays that your neighbors, your friends, your family will say yes to coming with you, too. So bring someone with you. It's going to be a super powerful morning that could change lives. And that's what we are praying for. And the last thing this morning is this. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the right time we'll reap a harvest. And as, as we step into this Easter season, isn't that what we should be praying for as a church? Man, people coming to know Jesus, a harvest of people starting to follow the Lord here in this community. And one of the One of the ways we've been seeing that is through just this church's faithfulness, whether it's serving, whether it's attendance, whether it's giving, right? And what I love about God is is all we have to do is is be faithful, and God does the rest. And this morning, if, if you want to continue to be faithful through your finances, you can give online or in our offering baskets on our way out the doors this morning. But join me in a quick word of prayer. God, we are so thankful. God, that all we have to do is be faithful. God, and you take 
our finances. You take our time. You take our talents. God, and you do so much more than what we could ever do on our own. And God, we pray you do that with the offering this morning. God, so that people in this community and around the world can continue to come alive in Christ because of this church. So God, we give you the next few moments. Aren't I excited? We're excited to hear from you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you are a kid, stand to your feet. Can we give it up for our kids as they make it, make their way back to K5? Well, good morning, everybody. Morning, morning, morning. I got to tell you today, uh, there's one more announcement that we uh, have not yet said that I uh, also want to just give credence to. Whether or not you realize it or know it, uh, we have some incredible staff here at the church, whether it's Pastor Riley, Bethany, Monica, they are, they are some of the most incredible people I've ever worked with, and uh, I wish you could just see just truly how hard they work uh, every single day. They stay late, they come early, uh, not Riley as much, he more so just comes late and stays really late, but I digress. Uh, but they work super, super hard, and so uh, every, every once in a while, I want to make sure that they're just taking care of them, and they're recharging, they're doing everything else. So uh, I gave them the day off tomorrow, and so what that means for this context is we're not going to have prayer open tomorrow uh, here, because normally every Monday morning from 7.30 to 9.00, we pray together, and we just kind of have this thing open for open prayer, and it's so fun and so powerful to do that. And so there's a stipulation that comes with that announcement. If there is something that you really would like prayer for, that you're like, oh, man, I was going to come tomorrow, do me a huge favor. And before you leave today, there's a connect card in front of you. Jot down your prayer request. You don't have to put your name on it if you don't want to, but then on your way out, put it in the black boxes over there because I will be praying tomorrow morning um, I, from my own place, and I would love to pray with you guys for those things that are happening. So for those who don't know me, my name is Derek. Uh, I'm 28 years old, and for the first time in my life, I felt old this week. Some of you guys are like, if it's about time, right? I've been feeling old for a while. I felt old, which it feels weird to say as a 28-year-old, but I said something that I've said for years now, and there was someone who was younger than I who goes, we don't say that anymore. We don't say that anymore, right? Anyone else been in that situation? Parents are raising their hands in excess right now. We don't say that anymore. That's not cool anymore. I said the word FOMO. And if you're like, what's FOMO? You're the person I said. You're too old for that generations ago, okay? FOMO is the fear of missing out. So when everyone, when everyone is like, Ah, I, I gotta be there because I do not want to be there. The idea of my friends being somewhere else without me, even if it means I have to go do underwater basket weaving, I'm going to be there because I will not be missing out on that. That is FOMO. It's something that the millennial generation has said in excess. But uh, I realized something about myself this week after kind of really feeling aged and old is I don't have a whole lot of FOMO because I don't get too bent out of shape about not being where something's happening if it means I get to be at home in my sweats watching the office. I'm okay with that, right? But what I do struggle with big time is something that I coined that uh, I wish you could have been here first service because my wife rolled her eyes there in the front row because I made this up about two hours ago. I struggle with FOMO. And if that sounds as dumb as you think it does, it is dumb. I hate that I said this, but I made it up two hours ago and I'm committing to it. FOMO, fear of you missing out. Because here's what I do, okay? When I sit down at a restaurant and order the biggest, juiciest, fattest cheeseburger on the menu, 
and it comes out, and there's a steak knife in the middle of it because it's so large, the very first thing I do is pull my phone out, take a picture, and send it to the boys. He's like, if, I, if you can't be here with me, I am sending it to you so you can salivate while you're eating whatever you're eating at home. I got to have the boys join in with me. Or if I go see a movie at the movie theater that's so good, I'm like, yo, you have to go see this movie. Like, I will pay for your ticket if I need to. You have to go and see it. Because when I get to experience something so cool, I want everyone that I care about to experience the same exact thing. And I've got to tell you, as a pastor, one of the greatest gifts, one of the greatest joys I have in my job is I get to see people come alive in Christ. People that maybe were far off from Jesus but have come back. People that have grown up in the church but have never had this personal, authentic, uh, you know, dual relationship with Jesus. When I get to see that, it, it's awesome. When you see people walk in who are just carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders and they walk out with the hope of Jesus, it's one of the coolest things in the entire world. Because I know how it feels for me. I know what it's like when Jesus moves in my life, when he's been there for me in some of the highest mountaintop moments and some of the lowest of lows in the valley. I've seen Jesus be there for me. Not just because I've seen it or read about it, because I've actually experienced it. And when other people get to experience that too, it's the coolest thing in the world. But on the flip side, when I don't, when, when, when people that I do care about, people that I know, when they don't have that same experience, it's hard. When I know how awesome Jesus is and how he cares, how he loves, how he's there, how he's present, how he wants to be a part of your life and doesn't expect anything from you, when I know that, but then people that are around me don't have that same experience, I have FOMO. And yes, I hate that I said that again, but it's true. I hate that people are missing out on some of the coolest things that I've ever experienced in my life through Jesus. And so I've been so thankful that one of the ways that I have tried to kind of exemplify how incredible, awesome Jesus is, is just by living a life that's authentic. I try to live so authentic so that there is no separation between Derek that's on stage on Sunday morning and Derek that you experience on a Monday morning at 7.30 in the morning. I'm a little more groggy at that time, but beyond that, I, I want to be the same because that's how Jesus comes alive in us. But there's another thing that I kind of have come upon on the last year and a half that truly has made this even easier to show the authenticity relationship of Jesus. And it's through a TV show that uh, I was recommended to me from a friend. And it's called The Chosen. Has anyone heard of The Chosen before? A lot of hands. Okay, fantastic. Now, if you're not familiar with The Chosen, don't worry. I'm going to catch you up to speed here in just a second. But I'm going to preach through The Chosen here for the next couple of weeks leading up to Easter as we prepare ourselves for the incredible power of that day. But The Chosen is a TV series about the life and ministry of Jesus. Now, full disclosure. Hey, this is a moment of pastoral honesty here. The person who recommended The Chosen to me came to me and said, have you ever watched The Chosen? And I said, I haven't. No, a lot of my family have, but I haven't. And he goes, you got to watch it. And I was like, noted. Okay, sounds good. And he goes, no, like, you have to watch it. I was like, if I get around to it, I might do it. I have two kids. I'm not getting around to anything, okay? Doesn't happen. 
He goes, no, like, like seriously? He came to me again a week later. Have you watched The Chosen yet? No. So he brought me the DVDs. These are good friends, right? When they're like, no, you're going to watch this whether you like it or not. And you are going to like it. So he brought me the DVDs, and sure enough, I put it in, and Meg and I fell in love with it by the second episode, because what I love about The Chosen is it's not a documentary. It's not something that's super cheesy, super underproduced, super just like, oh, here we go again. Yep, that's going to happen. Well done. No, this is like actually real, and it captures the authenticity of who Jesus is, and it's what I love the most about it. Because here's the deal. I think a lot of us can empathize with what it's like to know Jesus as God who walks on water, who opens the eyes of the blind, who raises the dead to life. We understand that for the most part. But what we miss so often is the humanity of Jesus. Because he was fully God, yes. But he was also fully man. Which means he understands the ups, the downs, the triumphs, the struggles, the temptations of life, just as you and I experience them. And what the chosen does so well is it captures that humanity of Jesus. And I've been looking forward to preaching through it for a year and a half now, and I cannot wait. So let me just give you one important disclaimer as we jump into this thing. The chosen is not a substitute for scripture. Okay, it, it, it takes scripture and it kind of just brings some alternative takes to it. It's not saying this is fact. It's not saying this is law. What it does is it takes liberties based on scriptural research. What does that mean? The New Testament talks about if we were to record every single thing Jesus did, there wouldn't be enough pen and paper in the world. Because there's so much that didn't get recorded. Because there wasn't enough time. He did so many incredible things. So what the chosen does is it leans into that and it says, this very well could have happened based upon context, based upon what happened in that day and age. All these different things. And so they take their best educated guess and what it does is it just brings the whole thing to life. And so I'm asking wherever you're at today, whether you're, you've seen it before or you haven't, whether you love it, whether you're indifferent to it, I'm asking that today you just give me an honest and open, good grief, the only I did this for a living, right? An open and honest perspective on a show that has truly changed my life in a big way. I want you to see a little clip here of The Chosen. I can't do this anymore. Please, please listen to me. I haven't been honest with you. There's no woman. It's not gambling. Look, a few days ago, I looked you in the eyes and I told you, I've got this. I lied. What do you mean? I've been fishing on Shabbat because I've had no choice. Andrew has texted. I've got texted. We haven't been able to keep up. I did some things I'm not proud of to fix it, and now it's gone <coughs> bad. And, and we're in trouble. We? What do you mean? I, I'm in trouble. But we, because I need a miracle, or I can be in big trouble. I'm not a child. Stop speaking of riddles. Tell me what's happening. I could go to prison. We could lose the house. What? You got in my ear. It's from a Roman. Simon! If I don't catch a ton of fish or get some help somehow, they'll arrest me. Or kill you. They are Romans. Yeah, so I need to go. Go now. where? 
Fried fish. I gotta spend the rest of the week doing nothing but catch every fish I can and hope I can fix this somehow. So that's why we can't take your Ima. It's just not possible. No, right? she has nothing to do with this. I would not let you punish her for your sins. Eden, you can't do you this alone. Can't tell me what I can or can't do. You have had your eyes closed around here, and God is with me, even if you aren't. Sorry. Where is your faith? Hmm? What? You heard me. And faith isn't gonna get me more fish. I'm not talking about tonight. I am talking about long before tonight. You've been different. Before it was gambling, and now it's working, and trying to do everything yourself. The popular Simon, fixing everything and charming everyone all by yourself. And fishing on holy days without even thinking about it with no respect for our God. What about Pikoch Nefesh? We can break a commandment to save a life. Our lives are at stake you don't here. I know that because you have not pursued the Lord lately. Not like the man that I married. That is why you are stuck and you feel desperate and now you're off to try to fix it yourself again. So go. I don't want you here tonight anyway. I'm sorry. I know you're sorry. I know. And I'm, I'm glad you're at least honest with me. But no more talking. Maybe God can get your attention now. As you probably maybe picked up on, that was Simon, which is also known as the disciple of Peter. And this is before uh, he is one of the 12 disciples. This is very early on in this whole Jesus ministry here. But don't you just love how just he's trying to fix it, right? As a husband to an amazing wife, I like to be the fixer. How was your day, babe? Oh, you're never going to believe this. And the moment she, she starts talking about something, I just want to fix it, Right? Like, I want to fix it. Who do I got to punch? Who, who, who do I got to take out to the back alley and have somebody else beat them up because I'm too small to beat anybody up, right? What, what does this all look like? I tried to fix it. And Simon Peter, all throughout Scripture, he's the fixer. He's always trying to do something. He's the guy who pulled out a sword and chopped off somebody's ear to try to protect Jesus when he's on the mountain of transfiguration. That whole thing goes down. Peter is always trying to fix it. And what we see here in The Chosen is whether we know exactly this is how it happened, we're not entirely sure, but it's very, very possible because Rome would always impose taxes upon the Hebrew people. Very, very big taxes. Not like little taxes, like mortgage level taxes as a way to kind of hold people in. And so here in this scene, you see he's in it bad. He's up to his eyeballs in debt that he cannot pay back. And he's tried to fix it himself. He tried to gamble enough money to get it paid off. That didn't work. It just dug the hole deeper. He tried to buddy up with the Romans and say, look, I'll cut you a deal. You erase my debt and I'll sell out some people that are making your life difficult. Deal? Deal. 
That didn't work out. So now he's ticked off both sides of things. He's in it more and more. And the more he tries to fix it, the more problems he finds himself in. And that's where we pick up in this scene where he's just at a moment of just, I can't do it at all anymore. I, there's no more hiding. There's no more whatever. I'm in it deep. This is where we pick up in this scene. And it reminds me so much of the scripture in Proverbs 19 that says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So often we try to fix things that were not meant to be fixed by us. There's a reason I take my car to get its oil changed because I can't do it myself. Yes, I know that makes me a little bit less of a man, but I'm okay with that, right? I don't have the ability to fix that. But I know somebody who does. And so many times our situations in life are the exact same way. We try to fix things we were never meant to fix. So what we don't know is Simon, what we do know, I'm sorry, is Simon goes out fishing one night. And it doesn't go so well. From this scene, it picks up to him going out and trying to catch fish, as many as he can. And he can't catch anything. Not nearly enough to even pay off even close to a dent of his debt and he gets frustrated. He gets mad with God. There's a scene where he's out in the water in the middle of the night, and he's just throwing his net to the boat, and he's slamming things, and he's having an absolute tantrum, yelling at God, saying, where are you? And he's frustrated, and he's annoyed. And it all leads up to what we see here in Luke chapter 5, where it says this, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. Jesus was preaching. This is the beginning of where he started to share what he was doing. He was starting to do incredible things around the nation of Israel. And so people took notice. They went out to listen to him. They went out to hear what he had to say. And he drew a crowd. But this is in the day and age before PA sound systems. This is the day and age before you had raised platforms for preaching. And so Jesus is on level ground, just like I am right now. And imagine this whole room kind of congregating on me. At five foot eight, nothing. It won't take long for the people in the back to not be able to see me and not hear me because my voice, even though I'm loud, would have to go through layers and layers and layers of bodies. So Jesus has this problem where he, what he has to say cannot be heard. So he sees two boats. And here's what he says in verse three. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. You ever been at a cabin, maybe in the evening hours, and there's a boat out in the middle of the lake, and you can hear their conversation even though they're a long ways away. Why? Because the acoustics carry the noise through water, over water, right? So this is a perfect solution. Jesus can now be seen by everybody and his voice carries on forward. Can I tell you what I think gets missed? Who's in the boat with him? Simon. What, What does he say to Simon? He says, put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. It's not his boat. It's Simon's. So Simon's sitting in the back while Jesus is preaching. And he preaches, and he preaches, and he preaches. But here's where it gets really good. Verse 4. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for 
a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. So here you have Simon, who was out all night long. And after a long night of fishing, not catching anything, being Minnesotans, I know, and we don't catch fish, a little cranky, a little on edge, a little annoyed, right? So here he is on shore. And now Jesus is saying, hey, I got to use your boat. So he sits there while Jesus preaches. And after all this is said and done, he just wants to go home and just figure it out. When Jesus says to him, put out into deep water and let down the net for a catch. Do you know what it's like to try and go fishing after you've been fishing all night long? This is like asking the assembly line worker or the factory worker who's just worked five days straight, 12-hour shifts, and on his way out the door to go into the weekend, his boss says, hey, I need you to work an extra two. To ask him to go fishing after not catching anything would be like trying to tell the doctor or the nurse who just pulled back-to-back doubles saying, hey, there was an emergency that came in. We got to keep you here for another shift. It would be like asking the nursing mother who cannot get her baby to stop crying after hours and hours and hours feeling like she just fell asleep and all of a sudden your husband walks in and wakes her up. That's fun, right? Peter, Simon, would have been tired, worn down, physically and mentally exhausted. And his nets have been washed. Because they didn't go out there with a line and a reel. They were out there with nets. And so after you were done casting your nets fishing, you had to come home and scrub out the algae, scrub out the stuff, or else your nets would have, or your nets would have rotted. So his nets are all set. All he has to do is go home and rest. And what does Jesus ask him to do? Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Do you know how hard that would be? Maybe you don't, but you know how hard it is when there's one person in your life that has perpetually betrayed you and discouraged you and done wrong by you. And when you come and sit in church, you feel like the Lord's saying, hey, I want you to forgive them again. Again. No, I, I, I've, I've been fishing all night. I forgave him four times. Again. Again. I want you Sir, daughter, whatever you, I want you to strike up that conversation with that coworker, with that person, because I see them. I want them to know that I see them. No, you don't understand, God. I'm, I'm, I'm worn out. I'm tired. I've been working all week long. I don't have the emotional energy to go and have this conversation right now. I just don't. I, I, I want you to do this. I don't know what it is, but I bet as I'm speaking right now, you know there's been things or situations where you've kind of felt like God was saying, I want you to do this. And everything in your mind, everything in your soul, everything in your body is saying, I don't want to. I don't have it in me right now. Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. So why would we catch anything now? Because here's the last little bit of tidbit that you have to understand. Fishermen in the same age, they fished at night. 
Because the way they fish is they would drop their nets and these lead weights would fall and then capture the fish. And when they pulled them up, they'd catch all these fish. So to fish in daylight was almost a waste of time because fish would see the weights coming through the water and there would be no fish there. But fishing in daylight was as good as fishing on dry land. And here Jesus is saying, hey, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. I want you to see how it plays out in the chosen. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. You are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am, the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. 
We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe. But my faith, how sorry. Lift up your head, fisherman. What do you want from me? Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me. as well. Yes, you, James and John, come, follow me. I'll take the fish into market and settle up Simon's death. I'll get some help to fill both of these boats. Are you sure? Yes, go. What will you tell Ima? <laughs> We've just been called by the man we prayed for our entire lives. And you ask me, what will I say when you miss supper? <laughs> go, now. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything and followed him. What I love so much about this story, what I love so much about how the chosen takes it, it's just the development of this man named Simon. Because here's the thing that just absolutely wrecked me as I studied this. Was verse 11, the last verse. In the back half of verse 10, I'm sorry, this as well. Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on shore. They left everything and followed him. It was never about the fish. It was never about this big wad of cash effectively that dropped into their lap. It was about something bigger than that. Because here's the deal. With that much fish, enough to fill up two boats, it would have paid off tax debts. Yeah, but even if they didn't have tax debts, or even if they did, that much fish would have been enough to give them a new house, to give them everything they wanted and more. But did you catch what they did with it? They left it behind. They left it on the shore because it was not nearly as valuable as what they were offered instead. Follow me. From now on, you will fish for people. See, I'm going to be just fully honest. I, when I looked at this and I studied this, this week I looked at it and I looked at it and I looked at it and I looked at it because there was so much to it. 
I was trying to ask God, like, what is it that you're trying to show me in this text? Because full disclosure, I could preach a sermon or multiple sermons about how the fact that God sees our needs, he sees what we're going through, he sees the highest of highs, the lowest of lows, and he knows exactly what we need. And he can do it. I love how Jesus is just like, hmm. And boom, right? There's all those fish. Like, that is what he can do. He can make miraculous things happen. And can I tell you, it's not just back then. There have been situations and people and stories that I cannot even begin to number where it's been like, I needed a miracle and we prayed for it and Jesus did it. And I could preach until my I'm blue in the face about how he can do that because he can't. with it this week and the reason that I really think God was just working on me was because he can do it. This is bigger than fish. This is bigger than the miracles that we need in our life. This miracle was proof to Simon that I've got plans for you. And I've got you. I'm going to provide for you. But there are things I'm going to ask you to do that you're going to have to trust me on. And with it's going to come maybe some struggle. But with it's going to come some blessing if you trust me. If you trust me. Because last night as I was getting ready for this and I was journaling, as I was kind of just processing this over and over and over and over again, it wrecked me that Jesus stepped into Simon's boat. There were two boats there. Simon's and James and John's. And he chose to step into Simon's boat. Simon didn't ask for it. Simon didn't pray for it. Jesus just knew. To get his attention, I'm going to have to step into his world. And show him that you think this is impossible. But watch what I can do. And that is how Simon was hit between the eyes and go, you are who you say you are. I'll follow you. I'll do whatever you want to do. And knowing the story, he screws up again and again and again. But over and over and over again, Jesus is always showing Simon, see, I am who I said I was. Trust me. Step in. Because I'm stepping into your boat. See, here's the thing. Simon was sitting in the boat when Jesus preached. He was sitting in the boat. He heard everything. In the same way, when you come to church, you hear everything. You hear the sermons. And I don't preach nearly as good as Jesus did. But I love that after the sermon's done, he looked at Simon and gave him a response and said, when you throw it in deep water, let down your nets. Translation, will you respond to this person? I love that you're here. I love that you're sitting in these seats. But I believe Jesus is asking you to respond. That's what I'm asking you to do you put down your net, whatever that looks like to you, 
you know what it is. That one thing that he's asking you to do, that scares the daylights out of you, that makes you struggle internally, do it. Because see this, the blessing was not contingent upon whether or not God could do it. The blessing was contingent upon will you obey what I'm asking you to do. You don't put down your net, you don't receive the blessing. You don't step out in faith, you don't watch what I can do. Don't focus on the difficulty of the task at hand. Focus on the God of the universe behind it. Who is waiting to show you what he can do. Who is waiting to see if you'll step into it. Because guess what everybody, you have no idea what tomorrow looks like. No clue. But he does. He knows what awaits you tomorrow. And Tuesday. And Friday. And next month. And next year. He's already ahead of you. He's waiting to see will you follow him that way. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Because you say so. God of the universe, who sees me, who knows me, because you say so often. You need to understand the way that Jesus looked at Peter and his chosen the same way he looks at you now. He knows you, knows your situation, loves you more than any person ever could, but wants you to trust him and respond to him. Here's the deal. You've heard the sermon. Now you gotta be like Simon where you choose to respond. Here's what we're going to do. In just a second. We're going to close our eyes, bow our heads. We're going to pray. And you're gonna go. But before we do that, as I get ready to pray for things, if there's a way or something, if you're like, you know what, that's me, Derek. That's me. That's, I'm in that situation. My eyes are going to be closed. I'm going to have no idea who's raising who's what hand. But I believe it's important for us to choose to respond personally what God's doing in us. We have to say, yes, God, that's me. Simon had to physically put down the net to do it. I'm asking you to do the same way today in this room. If that's you, when I give you a prompt, and that's you, I want you to lift up your hand. It doesn't have to be a crazy thing. It just has a way of saying, yes, God, that's me. I'm choosing to respond. And we're praying. We're going to watch what God does we put down our nets. Would you do me a huge favor? Would you close your eyes, you bow your heads, with nobody looking around? This is between you and God. So God, today, I believe there are people like Simon in this very room. You've been far from the Lord. Maybe you grew up in church, but you've been away from it. Maybe you've never been in church, but you want this love and this compassion that we've talked about today. Maybe you've believed once, but you've gotten away from it. And today you're saying, you know what, Derek? Just like Simon, I want to come back. I want to be close with Jesus again. I want my faith to be the cornerstone. I want to be close to God today. And today I'm choosing to step into it. If that's you in this room today with nobody looking around, all eyes closed, if that's you, would you raise your hands in a way of saying, yes, God, that's me. Yes, God, that's me. Yes, God, I want to be back with you. I want to be close to you. Yes, God, that's me. 
for others in this room, I believe as well, that you know what you have to do. You know you got to walk out of this place. You know this is what God is calling you to do, to let down the net in this area, and you know what it is, but it scares you. You struggle with it. You wrestle with it. But you know it's got to be done. Today I'm praying that you understand it's not about your strength. It's about the fact that His grace is there. So if that's you today, and you know you've got to do something, but you know you need the strength of the Lord with you, would you raise your hand right now? Yes, Lord, that's me. My hand is up. Yes, Lord, I need your grace. I need your mercy too. Jesus, you see the hands in this place. You know the souls in the chairs. God, you know exactly who everyone is, what's going on. And I pray, God, that today you would move. You would show us, God, that you love us, that you care for us, that you provide for us. And Jesus, today I pray that it would not be about the fish. It would be about the fact that we choose to follow you, to love you, to serve you, because that's the most important thing in our life. Jesus, today I pray for the miracles that are going to come as a result of our obedience to what you're calling us to do. Jesus, lead us. Jesus, may we follow you in faithful obedience. In your name we pray. Everybody said, amen. I leave you with this. There's one thing I do do kind of see a little differently. In the shows, and Jesus was out of the boat. And I read, I never see him get down. And that's significant. Because you might have to let down your nets this week. But remember, he's in the boat with you. He's walking with you. So walk in that confidence that he's going to equip you. He's going to arm you. He's going to make you make this happen. Be blessed this week. Say hi to somebody on your way out. And have a blessed week. We'll see you guys next week.